This is a message for our listeners in the Perth region. Who wants to see a murder mystery play sometime in the month of September? Why? All of us, of course. So why not book your tickets for Clue, the stage adaptation of the 1980s film, featuring yours truly. That's right, if you want to see uh, the host of the Cinema Catch-Up Club do some acting chops himself, book your tickets now for the production being staged at the Melville Theatre. The shows are at 8pm, tickets available for most nights. The 2pm matinee on the 19th of September is sold out, but the show runs from the 10th until the 25th of September. Tickets are $25 or $20 concession, and you can book at www.taztix.com.au. That's T-A-Z-T-I-X.com.au. And uh, fans of the Cinema Catch-Up Club will also notice... Uh, one or two other members of our little podcast parish either appearing or working on the show. So, book your tickets for Clue now and come and help us solve this murder mystery. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week we are joined by special guest, Dr. Carmen Dolly. Hey, Dr. Stephen, congratulations. Thank you, Doctor. Um, we're throwing straight to you because it's your 25th episode yes, on the Cinema Catch-Up Club. It's cra- I do not feel like it's my 25th episode. I was trying to count how many and I could count about 10. Yeah, it's, so... it, the facts are there though. We, yep. we checked it we checked with the judges they went it's 25 time uh, because of that we have a rule that uh, when you reach 25 episodes on this podcast you can pick a film to review you have chosen 1964's Mary Poppins indeed I um, have why oh, no. uh, this is what are you saying oh no about <laughs> I did not realise this was your one chosen film <laughs> now I am going to feel slightly worse now uh, you're in the I deep don't... end yeah. I, I mean yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to gonna apps yeah it's gonna be fantastic yeah yep. no I mean uh, I this this is this is not just my favorite Disney film this is my favorite film of all time and I was I was conflicted as to what film to go for like I was sort of tossing up between this or like a horror movie because I've got weird taste in movies but mm-hmm. um, there is just something about this film it's like watching this film is like going home mm. and I am so excited to be reviewing it on the podcast I just I love everything about this film and mm. I'm Dean is wincing over here, and I'm really going to be interested to see what he makes of this film. Well, yes, because uh, obviously, even though we have a guest who has uh, picked this film, we still have to find somebody that hasn't seen it. So joining us uh, as our guest who has not seen Mary Poppins and will be watching it for the first time, it's Dean Lovett. Hello, I am Dean Lovett. (laughs) You are Dean Lovett. Dean, uh, how have you been? Good. Yeah, thank you. Things are well? Yes. Wonderful. Uh, You've not seen Mary Poppins. (laughs) No. Um, So what, what do you know about this film? Uh, look, I mean, obviously it's a huge part of the cultural zeitgeist. Uh, probably be a bunch of songs I know. I've already seen a bunch of clips online. Um, but I've never just sat down and watched it. Mm. Uh. really you've seen, uh, the Sherry Bobbins episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. So, so you've seen well, it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. obviously, it's, it's one of those, again, it's like, it's part of culture. Like, yeah. mm. being parodied a bunch of times. Um, <laughs> this morning I watched a, uh, a Saturday Night Live sketch where they, where they joke that supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is a venereal disease that Mary Poppins had been <laughs> spreading to all the other characters, except for the kids, obviously. Um, 
Yeah, so it's. I think there'll be a lot of touchstones, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll be perfectly honest, and this is why I was expect. I, I'm, I'm expecting to not enjoy myself today. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think sometimes, especially with the older films, I don't know. I, I, in, at least in the past, I've watched them be like, yeah, okay. It was, mm. Like it's for its time, it's amazing, and they pioneered and all. This. I don't know. I'm worried that I'm going to. Uh, uh, hate the things that you love come and that's okay you can i I don't want to do that i don't want to but but it'll average out sort of be like a nice middle ground yeah if you average out it out between us because some of our listeners may not love mary poppins but so they'll be they'll be welcome for your uh, surly devil may care attitude i will represent (laughs) the cynical bastard masses yeah uh out there online uh if, if you're listening get in the comments um and write down hashtag um Cynical bastard. Cynical bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag cynical bastard. Let's see if we can get that going. So, what is, what is your favourite Disney film? I don't know. Like, I didn't even know Mary Poppins was a Disney film. Um, really? I guess I just associate the animated ones. Uh, probably something by Pixar. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe a Moana. Nah. You always nah. struck me as kind of a Hercules kind of guy, but. Bless my soul. Herc was on a roll. Uh, I did like Hercules. I did. I, I just wouldn't say so. I'm not a diehard Disney person. Okay. Um, I would. I would say that I know a lot about Disney by virtue of the fact that uh, Disney themed nights are very popular, and I've therefore hosted a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna say Up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Up's yeah. a good one. That's a, that's a good oh. one. What are the other Pixar classics? Oh, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, good. Cars, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo was pretty good. Mm. The sequel, Finding Dory, not as not good. so good. The unrelated also, she's sequel, problematic. Finding Neverland. <laughs> mm, the very, very un- problematic. The very unrelated <laughs> sequel, Finding Forrester. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, I, I'm going to go with Up. I'm going to say Up. Okay, okay. because that, that's it a good crushed yeah. my soul in the first few minutes and then rebuilt it slowly over the next hour and 20 minutes i actually don't know what my favorite disney film is um yeah i mean hercules is very good mm. i i'm jumping straight to the emperor's new groove but that's just because we yeah. did it recently oh that's a wonderful oh, it, it is a wonderful one i'd probably say actually i think it might be the original animated beauty and the beast i think that Ooh, might be that's my favorite a good, that's a good choice yeah, yeah. um Aladdin's very strong. Uh, they're, they're pretty good at making yeah. these films. Uh, My favourite Disney movie is Avengers Endgame. Oh, ah, yeah, very true. good, sir. Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, because Disney is owns everything. Yes. yes. I know what mine isn't, and it's John Carter. Uh, <laughs> so, with all that being said... You can jump really high <laughs> in John Carter. <laughs> Don't you get that, though? Because oh. Mars's gravity well, you're gonna, is different. You're going to love Mary Poppins. Forget about yeah, the fact that he was... If you love people jumping high, you're going to love Forget about game. the fact that he's literally a Confederate soldier <laughs> that we're supposed to think is a hero, because mm. he can jump really Hi, let's yeah. watch that. Let's let's watch John, John Carter again. Yeah. No, let's no. not. Uh, we are going to watch uh, Mary Poppins. So with all that being yes. said, are you ready to watch Mary Poppins? I am so ready. I am just so f***ing ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services and swallow those spoonfuls of sugar as we watch Mary Poppins.
Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Mary Poppins, and by we, I of course mean Dr. Carmen Dolly. Hello. And Dean Lovett. Mr. Dean Lovett. Mr. Dean Lovett. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, Mr. Dean Lovett, it was your first time watching Mary Poppins. It was. What did you think? It was alright. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get why it's so um, beloved. Mm. I loved your confused bewilderment. May I just say? Uh, at, at what? At, at everything. At every- everything. <laughs> Ah, oh, look, no. you know, it's a kid's. It's it's easy to kind of poke holes, I guess, mm. in certain areas. But yeah, you know, it's it's a kid's movie. You had a nice time with it, though. Well, not necessarily a kid's movie. But, you know, it's a whimsical tale. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it did. Yeah, you know, uh, not every song hit for me, but I definitely. I think more than anything else, I I just thought it was a very well made film. Very pretty. Mm. The sets and the paintings, and they just you could just I don't know, it just looked like a level of effort that. I, uh, mm. You just don't see, I guess, in this day and age. I'm or, sure you do, yeah. but it's more subtle. Yeah, the, mm. the, the effort is maybe elsewhere. Mm. It, it was my first time watching this film in a long time. I would have been a child the last time I watched this film. Ah, okay. Which mm. is why I was... Which was... Ooh, more than 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was it was more things like um, the, the bird lady I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah, um, I'm amazed that you forgot about that. Yeah, you know yeah. they never gave her tuppence. No. It's true. She just vanished Plot with hole. no toppings. Mm. Plot hole. Nah, maybe she's in Mary Poppins Returns. She comes back and she's like, I demand my toppings. Your sacrifice was not given. <laughs> the pigeons shall rise against you. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite fun revisiting it. I, I remember Mary Poppins being a sadder film as a child, I think. I, or at least I think maybe I felt that the impact of Mr. Banks losing his job and not being happy with either the kids or with Mary Poppins. Mm. For some reason, that stuck more in my memory. And there, was, there wasn't there was as much of it as I recall there being. It was very yeah. I think it's, it's, there's not a lot. It, it's definitely more mm. in the second half of the film. But I think what there is is done in a very impactful way. So potentially that's why it might, mm. have, might have impressed so much on you when you were younger. Possibly. It, it could be. I, I, I never liked, when I was younger, my protagonist being in trouble. Yes. Uh, like, in certain films. And I guess Mary Poppins was one of them. And particularly, I think, because Mary Poppins as a character is really engaging, you you don't want, oh, no, Mary Poppins has to go away. <laughs> but we love hanging out with Mary Poppins. You know, that I think maybe it's a part of that. Um, yeah. W- when did you last watch this film, Carmen? Uh, so it would have been last year. Um, well, all the way through, at least. Mm. Um, last year, the uh, Reading Cinemas was doing a thing where there was no movies coming out, but cinemas here in Perth were open. Mm. So they started showing classics like Back to the Future and Mary Poppins. So I was like, am I seeing this in the cinema? Absolutely, I'm seeing this in the, in the cinema. Mm. Um, that was really something else because my favorite movie but i'd never seen it on a big screen mm. um so that that was uh something that was very special but i mean you know every every so often i'll go back and just watch my favorite bits mm. you know i'm, I'm just I'm, like i need to pick me up and go watch it i'm curious because i haven't seen mary poppins on the big screen mm. the, the television here is very big but yes, it's, it's, it's not, not not quite yes. at that level so what what was the main difference for you sort of revisiting this film in a cinema experience i guess it was just how immersive it was um i mean certainly like it's a little bit different you know watching it on a TV on your couch because you know you can hop up and make a cup of tea or you know go and uh, pet your cat who's sitting there demanding attention mm-hmm. or you know there's just there's there's things around to distract you but suddenly it's just you're in a dark environment and the seats are you know comforting and all enveloping and the screens all around you and it's just you can just take in the beauty of this film and it's mm. just 
it's just there and there's nothing else and it's it's wonderful and it is a very lovely film to look at like, mm. like there's a lot of um just very striking visual elements uh, as a first time viewer dean yep what was it what were uh, some of the visual elements that really stood out for you uh i think i said almost immediately i thought the matte painting stuff was really nice uh there's there's something to it now obviously you know they just don't do it anymore because mm. why would they it's all cgi but when you look at like the process through which they would just paint these massive pictures and then kind of uh, 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 film with them in the background or like mm. the camera moving across, I, I, I think they were really great and you can just see how much artistry goes into them. Mm. Uh, very vibrant colours. Yeah. It was yeah. almost yeah. too much. I don't know yeah, if it was we, our TV settings, but when they jumped into the chalk painting, I'm like, my eyes are hurting a little bit. I like We, we almost immediately, or at least I definitely did, the children's bl- glowing blue eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they like, hello, mother. Hello, father. Yeah, Michael and Jane did look a little bit like they had glass eyes, which was yeah. a little disturbing. Where have the children been? They've been in the cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the situation is the Banks family. They're in England in 1910. Boy. Oh, no. Also known as the uh, nothing can go wrong now period of English history. <laughs> yeah, for white people. Uh, well, I'm more thinking about the impending First World War. Oh, that'll they be fine. Know, They're but... rich. They won't. Be. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, they might be okay. Uh, but yes. Mary Poppins will just show up <laughs> and just cut down swaths of enemy soldiers with her magic. That's She's true. just like, takes on Gal Gadot's form yeah. and just crosses no man's land. Yeah, holding the umbrella and, out yeah. as a shield. <laughs> Oh, I want to see that now. Uh, but into a bag, pulls out two. <laughs> pulls out an arsenal of weapons. Yeah. Each with a parrot head on the end, yeah. you know. Yeah, they're all talking back. Going yep. like, eat that, Fritz! <laughs> Mary Poppins uh, enters this, this family environment where we have uh, Mr. Banks, who is uh, very... Sodge. Who is a misogynist, yes. Total Sarge. Um, and is, is uh, a very sort of proper English gentleman, which means he's a misogynist, mm. he's a uh, classist, and he's just entirely caught up in his entire world of being in the bank and working as a banker. He's, he's selfish. A, he's a complete and total banker. Yeah. Um, there's Mrs. Banks, who is a suffragette and is... Legend. Yeah, going off and like, you know, votes for women and doing all that. But what this means is because she's so busy doing that, Mr. Banks is so busy with work that the children, Michael and Jane, uh, require nannies. Um, and they yes. we, we see a nanny leaving because apparently they're so terrible. Mm. I didn't see any behavior from them that indicated they were particularly terrible throughout this film. They disappear. Well, except at the bank, I suppose. But they were attacked by an old man. Yeah, like that, I, don't know. That... I feel like their, their reaction to an old man attempting to rob them was fairly tame. Yeah. If anything. Yeah. Maybe it was just that that 1910 attitude of oh my god, you spoke. Maybe that yeah. that makes you a naughty child. That's a good point. Yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, a nanny quits, and Mr. Banks is like, well, we'll have to put another advert out in the Times, and mm. um, and there's a queue of nannies all all waiting to get the what? job. But then a freak storm <laughs> some sort of, them all. Yeah. Now I. I know that this is a very common thing where people say Mary Poppins, because of her magical abilities, is she is, she, is she a time lord? Is she a wizard? Is she what what any of these things? I honestly think she is in the canon of of the sort of Cthulhu world. There is something. Yeah, I, I think she's some sort of extra dimensional being. Yeah. I mean, how deep you want to go, man? Because I got yeah. theories. Look, yeah. I want to hear what's your theory. I think she's an extra-dimensional being. Mm-hmm. I think that the Banks children are not the actual biological children. Mm. I think they are just younger versions of her race. I think um, our uh, uh, chimney sweep, what's his name? Bert. 
Bert, I think Bert's one of them as well. It's how they know each other. And Bert's infiltrated the the like he's community. he's like a plant to kind of keep an eye on things, which is why his accent is so not convincing. And like it's their powers have begun to manifest because mm. they've become a certain age. So Mary has to come in and be like, all right, I'm gonna have to help them unlock their new powers. You know, like teach him what's what. Um, to tidy up. And- yeah, I'm, I'm assuming obviously when they've been disappearing, it's probably you know because they've been murdering people or something but maybe maybe just starting with like small animals or something mm. um so mary has to come so in and be like listen kids one day of course we'll uh enslave the human race but not today so uh pull your heads in basically mm. uh and that's why yes yeah, at, the, at the start i mean before she even shows up she uses a, a hurricane to murder about 20 uh well as we found out men uh, dressed as women well, yes uh, most playing the, the roles of the were, uh, were played by nannies. nannies yeah uh, because they were just like ah they're all robed up just who's around yeah. uh so that I thought who's was... got high definition tv it's going to be re- re-watching this in 50 years yeah you know when you're watching see. it and going yeah. like oh they're old men they're in old men yeah, yeah. yeah um and yes uh mary poppins blows into the world uh whether or not she is an eldritch deity remains for view interpretation <laughs> but she turns up she agrees to um nanny for the banks family she obviously got the letter that was torn up in the fireplace that yep. then blew on, I'm going to say, an ill wind. Uh, and uh, yeah, she starts to nanny for Michael and Jane. And what her nannying involves is uh, delightful musical adventures in uh, either animated chalk paintings or, you know, uh, going to see an old man who has a, <laughs> la- who has a laughing disease who's on yeah. the ceiling. I'm wondering what it is she taught the kids. I think she. I think the lesson from this film, and I, I think it's one of the reasons why maybe it's not for me. It's not one of my favorites. I do mm. like it, but it's not like probably not in my first ten Disney films I'd choose to watch. Um, but the lesson of the film seems to be Mary Poppins is great. Yeah, it does seem to be a bit of that. And and I, I also get that you know what what she does and her role in in the film and in the story is to help Mister Banks realize that he's got two wonderful children mm. and that he should be spending time with them mm. not but she doesn't really she doesn't directly do it though because yeah. like bert does a lot to sort of get mr banks on yeah. side with that talk in the, in I, the I, I think they she's a just team. a very hands-off teacher yeah you know? it's just like I'll, yeah. I'll just create havoc here and you can learn from it she so delegates just, yeah she yeah. delegates yeah. yeah yeah um but i always found it a little difficult as much as i really enjoy mary poppins both as a film and as a character I, I did find it difficult to sort of relate to her because she, because she is practically perfect in every way. Well, I think I think the appeal of this film, for me at least, and I mean, without wanting to get too much into my personal life, mm-hmm. as a child, I empathised a lot with the situation mm-hmm. of the kids in this film where you had a household that was quite well off but not particularly happy. And mm-hmm. certainly um, my father, I saw a lot of that in Mr. Banks when I was younger. So I think maybe even though there's not a lot of those times where, you know, as you say, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of those times where Mr. Banks is really having lots of sad moments. I think they did really stick with me as a child because it was sort of like almost a wish fulfillment kind of thing. Yeah. And And so maybe there could be something like Mary Poppins that would come into your life and magically fix those, those things that that Mm. were not perfect. Yeah. Um, And I think that was the appeal as a child. I think now it's, a little bit more sort of looking at the the craft the crafting of this film as a whole and then looking at that from from sort of more of an artistic standpoint but yeah. certainly as a child i think that that insertion of yourself into the 
uh, into the children's roles was what really appealed to me. Okay. I think it's an excellent example of escapism. Yes. Mm. You know, it's, um, I mean, think about it. Cause one of the things I was originally thinking was like, what's the plot here, you know? Because mm. it does seem to be a series of escapades that eventually mm. leads into, yeah. like, obviously. There, there's not a lot later of plot, in, yeah. Later in the film, there's some specific plot events. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, when, when you describe it that way, I, I can definitely see, like, if that's what they were going for, they nailed mm. it. And I think part of the appeal as a child as well is that, the, again, you, you theorise that there's an adult, what kind of being is Mary Poppins? But mm. you, there's, she's just so mysterious as a child. She does these things and then says, no, I didn't do them. And you don't know, you know where she comes from, what are her powers, you know? Yeah. Why is she gaslighting me? I don't know, but it's it's appealing. Well, I mean, there is that. But um, is, it, is, yeah. is, is Mary Poppins just a regular person, but this is the kid's imagination? You know, yeah. they just... yeah. Mm. Is this them, how they experience the world, the eyes of a child? Possibly. Maybe you need to say, see Saving Mr. Banks to uh, sure to go into mm. that. Yes. Mm. Uh, so we, we have a lot of adventures. Yeah. Uh, and the adventures themselves are not terribly plot consequential, but what they do is they, they do a really good Last job minute. of luxuriating in just just so much whimsy. There's yes. there's so much whimsy, and yet, I I I never had like a whimsy overdose. I I I didn't feel too like like this is too much now. <laughs> like it didn't happen for me. Did you get that, Dean? What did I did I have any point, full of whimsy? Too full yeah, of whimsy. Too, too like, full like, there's there's too, too much. much there's too much twee here. Like <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I think, like, I think they balanced it really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mm. mean, you know, it didn't. It never felt saccharine or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I said to you guys at one point when it was the laughing scene, I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and yeah. you guys yeah. explained that, um, I don't know his name, but he's obviously a big deal. Edwin. The Edwin, Mad Hatter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay. It was like a fun cameo thing. Yeah. I guess it did later establish how they were going to murder the old banker. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it came back into the yeah. plot. All right. Actually. I'll give him that. Yeah. I'll give him yeah, it was, um, it was subtle. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the kids saw it and went, "Ah, a way that can kill old men. Mm. Uh, very good." Um, it, it, this is assuming the eldritch horror thing is true, uh, which I think we've established. Well, it uh, is. Here's, here's my. Here's, I'm going to add on to that theory, right? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you know how she like takes them into the chalk world, mm. yeah. and later the chalk world dissolves, and all of those sentient things <laughs> cease to exist. Mm. Yeah. That is Mary training the kids, teaching them. To let a universe die, uh. to to know that it's okay to detach oneself because we're above these lower. She life took forms. them. She took them to a new realm. Mm. Introduced them to a bunch of sentient creatures, penguins that danced, aristocratic um, people at the horse races. They had an amazing time, and then it was just gone, consumed mm. by entropy. Mm. And that was the lesson she was teaching them. Yeah, and you know what? When when it happens and the kids are sad, Bert just says, "It's okay." He's always plenty more drawings where they came yeah. from. Well, yeah. I always, I always took that to mean like, you know, the next day when it's sunny, he'll just draw it again and it'll come I mean, back to life again. You I, know, I, you, I, can, yeah. you can create yeah. life and there's always another universe it, but you can to consume. It again. It's just yeah. There's I, always another universe. I just like that this film works with both readings. Yeah. And I don't think there's a point where either falls down. We we should talk about Bert. Um, yes. Because uh, I think he is probably the thing that is most criticised about this film. Yes. Not why? Not, not so much the character. Uh, more. Um, what the, do you do? The accent. The accent. That was Dick Van Dyke. That's how all English people sound to me. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, is it? Oh well, if you're specifically talking about that, then let's carry on then. 
What a horrible world you live in, if that's what I <laughs> Sorry, that's like. just what you sound like to oh. me, Stephen. I'm sorry. Well, my apology, apologies, mister. I'm going to well, go over talk it. better. You want to come on the podcast and uh, have a blast? Why? I'd love to, Stephen. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, bibbidi-boo. Um, yeah. Why are you talking yeah. normally to me right now? What's going on? I mean, I can get why the accent, you know, I, I get why people hate the accent. And mm, I, I completely acknowledge that it's terrible. And if you can't, if you can't get past that, that's fine. Physically, though, it's just such a wonderful performance. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, he's, see, he moves so well. You yeah. can see why Dick Van Dyke was just the the guy, yeah. you know? Mm. Um, as far as the voice, though, I, I don't know. Like, I get a very children's theatre kind of vibe. Like, yeah. Mm. Typically, when you do, you know, obviously, you know, I've done some the puppet stuff, Constable Care, and mm. shows for kids, and you always over-accentuate the accent because mm. that's yeah. how you differentiate characters, and it's part of that... You know, whimsy, part of that world. And this world that's created is definitely um, fictional. Like, mm. they're not going for realism. Mm. So with that in mind, I don't know, an over-the-top English accent. The kids, you know, the American kids most likely are like, yeah, that's what English people sound like. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think to be honest, it is pretty forgivable. I, I think the, um, like, it's not a good accent, but it, as you say, like, it's not, it's not locked stock and two smoking barrels. Yeah. Like if, if if he was trying to do that in a Guy Ritchie film, maybe it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But in this film where it's just madness to yeah. an extent, where it's just whimsical silliness. You just turn around and you're in a chalk painting with yeah. animated creatures that yeah. will then disappear in 10 seconds. Yeah. And it's it's totally forgivable, I, at it, least in my opinion. one day shall. Yes. <laughs> um, snake eats its own tail. Yeah. Was, was, Cycle continues. What's there a favourite song that we, we, we had? Um, we'll start with you, Carmen, because obviously you've had uh, plenty of time to absorb the songs. Is there a particular song that stands out? Favourite song or favourite moment? Song. song. Let's go with song. Okay, there's definitely the Feed the Birds then. Okay. Yep, that, that would be it. Just, okay. uh, just beautiful. Mm. Um, apparently it was Walt Disney's favourite song after this as well. Mm. Um, and it was a song that... Um, uh, P.L. Travers, the writer of the Mary Poppins books, hated the idea of Disney making a film of this. Absolutely hated it. Mm. Um, Did not know it was based on a book. Yeah, it was based on a series of books, actually. Mm. Um, and the Mary Poppins Suck <laughs> by H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft. <laughs> and she was she was really not keen on the idea of um, having music in it as well, mm. um, particularly original music. And it was a Feed the Birds song that mm. actually got her around to the idea of okay, maybe yeah, okay. maybe so, I can tolerate that. Wait, so it was written by a woman. The books. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That makes... Because I was... Sorry. I, one of my original thoughts was Mary Poppins is a total self-insert protagonist. Mm. Do you know the concept? Yeah. The yeah. idea that like a writer will be like, oh, and this this person like just happened... Like think like Stephen King just always... His, his main characters mm. are often writers mm. who seem to be very capable in every way. I don't know. I'm just getting some self-insert vibes from Mary Poppins. She's well, a little well, too can perfect. We, do you mind if we discuss that a bit? Go on. Um, because I, I mean, P.L. Travers is a, is a very interesting character. and we, She was a very, very private woman. I don't think we know a lot about her, really. Mm. Um, a lot of readings of her work now do seem to be not so much that, that she's inserted herself into Mary Poppins, but more that she um, inserted her father into Mr. Banks and that the, the father in the books is, is the way of resolving her in a turmoil with her relationship with her father. Um, I, I see that as a very simplistic thing. I don't think that's really um, quite reflects what, what, what we know. Mm. We don't know a lot about P.L. Travers. We... Yeah, she, she's a really interesting figure and I did a little bit of research into her because a lot of the trivia that we're going to get to mm. later relates to her and Walt 
falling out. Yeah, um, about this film, yeah. Yeah, because this is not the film that she really wanted. Um, mm. And mm. certainly, like, the musical she elements. Grimdark. But she's a really interesting character. First of all, I didn't know that she was Australian. Yes, she, she was born was, in Australia. She was born in... No wonder the guy from the castle was in it. <laughs> that wasn't Michael Caton. The police was officer absolutely was not <laughs> Michael Caton. I know you kept saying this. You heard him on the phone when he was calling... Times. He was calling up and he said, well, man's home is his castle. <laughs> I'm sorry. He looked almost exactly like Michael Caton. It was Caton. the vibe of the thing. It was the vibe <laughs> of the thing. Um, anyway. It was absolutely that guy. Uh, okay. Yes, yeah. she was born Helen Goff in, where in was it? New South Wales? Uh, the Colony of Queensland. The Colony of Queensland. This was pre-federation so um technically i don't know if that technically means that she she was australian as the nation didn't exist at the time yes um but but she she's born in queensland uh she lived until she was 96 uh dying in the 90s in uh, england where she where she was um lived a lot of her life and I didn't realise this until recently. She worked briefly as a professional Shakespearean actress. Ooh. Yes. And if yes. you go to her uh, Wikipedia page, her picture is of her from a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream where oh, she's dressed see. as Titania. Yeah. Um, so she was this person that was very involved in, um, you know, artistic endeavours and she started writing these books. And Disney wanted to make a film of these books for quite a long time. I believe. were they? There were lots. Mm. I, I could not. Kids yeah, books it, was more, it was more sort of kids books, but um, kids books of short stories, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, right. Like you'd, you'd buy a book, and there'd be ten little mm. short mm. stories, mm. short little vignettes about what mm. Jane and Michael did, it or whatever. Explains the structure of the film a lot. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Because so, they sort of pick through, and they were like that vignette, mm. that vignette, yeah, that right. vignette. Yeah, she wrote um, eight. But, she wrote eight Mary Poppins books between 1934 and 1988. Yeah, mm. she kept writing them after mm. the movies came out because the movies. Yes. Sort of yeah. increase the popularity, yeah, 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 yeah. And, but I think they uh, wanted to make a movie of this since the thirties. Yeah, so yeah, something like that. As early as nineteen thirty-eight, mm. so the year after uh, Snow White was released, mm. Walt Disney was like, "I want to make a movie of your book." But at that time, she really, P.L. Travers really was against animation in terms of like she didn't want Mary Poppins to be animated mm. at all, and obviously at that time the only feature film Disney Disney had Mm. to show was Snow White. Mm. So when they eventually got the rights to make the film in the early 60s, um, she still had a lot of input into uh, the script, but not the film itself, which again caused some consternation uh, because um, she, she, for example, things like she didn't want characters wearing red. Yeah. um, And they were like, well, I'm sorry, but... But There's a full colour palette here. You also don't have control of what the film looks like you just yeah. have control of the words it's like a, it's just a weird yeah. issue to have she, yeah. she had a lot of very specific ideas she didn't want any american actors in the film she didn't feel that they were um going to she went with australian actors to, yeah she, that's why michael <laughs> caton's in it yeah she, yeah. <laughs> she she wanted um this this very specific idea of like englishness and english values mm. in there um and to, to sort of reflect what the story was actually about. Mm-hmm. And so that's why most of the cast is British. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 it does seem kind of odd that we, we know not a lot about her, considering yeah. that she wrote this book, that the series of books, which obviously has subsequently had a massive impact with its film and musical adaptation. Yeah, but, yeah you, you watch documentaries about her now, and it's just like oh, you know, she wrote this character of Mr. Banks to reflect her father. No, we don't know anything about that. We know 
that her father was a banker mm-hmm. who I think was eventually demoted to a clerk because of his alcoholism. Mm-hmm. We know that he died young. Mm-hmm. We know that she took his name when she changed her name to P.L. Travers because mm-hmm. his first name was Travers. He was Travers Goff. That's all we know. And mm-hmm. I... Um, she's you know, a very she, mysterious woman. Yeah, she, she's very mysterious. And she, mm-hmm. when she wrote her own script treatment for Disney, it was not focused on Mr. Banks at all. It was focused on Jane. And it was kind of this um, Peter Pan style story of Jane growing mm-hmm. up and having to deal with growing up. I think it's more, this story is more sort of about her insertion of herself into the children than it is about her father being Mr. Banks or her being Mary Poppins. Mm. I think she said at one point, you know, she started coming up with the stories um, after her mother, I think, attempted suicide and she was trying to dis- distract her younger sister and then just said, oh, Mary Poppins just kind of appeared out of the flames to me, sort of as a mysterious figure. So out I don't think flames, there's any... you say? Yeah. Like she was summoned in some sort of spell? Like she was trying to distract her sister in a wholesome way, oh, maybe? look. <laughs> One person's wholesome distraction for good mental health is another yeah. person's cursed being brought from yeah. another dimension. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. long story short, Saving Mr. Banks and Documentary about P.L. Travers, they, they try to sort of mm. make this perfect, simple relationship between P.L. Travers and her father and the character of Mr. Banks, and I don't think it's that simple. Yeah, now I've not seen Saving Mr. Banks. Yes. I presume that you have. Yes, um, I have, yes. How, how, how did you, I suppose, did you enjoy that film? This, this sort of semi-biographical film about the relationship between Walt Disney and Travers? I mean, yes and no. Um, I mean, I, I could talk for a really long time about this, mm. and I apologise if I do. Um, Go on. But from like a Disney fan standpoint, there were so many little Easter eggs that I really, really liked about it. Mm. Um, like there's one point where Tom Hanks as Walt Disney is talking, and there's like a map of Florida behind mm. him with like the map of Disney World, you know, pointed and pointed out, and it's it's kind of like cute little mm. homages and things like that. Um, but it's a very, again, it's a very simplistic portrayal both of Walt Disney and of P.L. Travers and mm. Lindsay Ellis who's a great YouTube film critic has, yeah. a, has a whole video about this and mm. just like the the Disneyfication of the truth if you will mm. um, it's you know Disney they, they have an agenda because they have to present like Walt as like this clean wholesome person and yeah. um, mm. uh, that they, they've got a certain thing that they need to that they need to promote because yeah. you know the truth is messy and the truth is always messy mm. Um from like an emotional standpoint as well, it is a very moving film, particularly if you feel the way about Mary Poppins that I do. Mm. Um, but I don't think it, it, it's a beautiful film and it's a, it's a well-made story and it's a, it's a well-acted story, but it's not the truth and should not be um, interpreted as the truth. Okay. Let's watch it. Right yeah, now? let's do it. Go on. Pause, uh, pause the podcast. It, no, I mean, you guys yeah. have got a performance. I mean, yeah. if you want to nah, do my 26 that. film as Saving Mr. Banks, I mean, I'm fine for that. <laughs> I, I would be curious to... to I have not seen it. it. I would be curious to go and see it now, having mm. watched this. So Let's we, do it. We might pencil it in for later Let's in the year. If you Tune in to part two. <laughs> if you're all very good at home and tidy everything up by clicking your fingers and Remember, having a jump hashtag the cynical bastard yeah. in the comments. <laughs> um, we should talk a little bit about the star of the film, though. Can I say my favourite song? Yes, Go you on, can. Sorry, 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 I was going to my ask you. Yeah, my favourite song uh, was the specific part where they're in the painting where Mary goes out of our way <laughs> to say how much she likes how the, the chimney sweep guy 
is non-sexual doesn't hit on her and fully friend zone what is it fully friend like but what are the lines like she never needs? presses his advantage never yeah. presses his advantage a lady needn't feel a when lady, you were near i just there was a moment of like that's not a high bar people come <laughs> on that's not a compliment uh, uh, oh, okay. yeah but it was just this moment of like we need they like no subtext whatsoever yeah. I was like mm. this is not a romantic relationship between <laughs> yeah. the two well I think that again that was one of the things that P.L. Yeah. Travis was very very adamant about was mm. like this should not be a romantic relationship maybe that's why they mm. put it all in I and don't then know. just yeah. it, it, like I get why they did it it just comes across that it's just like, so oh, okay yeah so that's I, my favorite yeah. I and really, your favorite song I, I, well my favorite song is Let's Fly a Kite that's, oh, yeah, yeah, I that think that's sense, my yeah. favourite of the songs. But the routine I enjoy the most is All the Dancing Jiminy Sweeps. Oh, it's great, um, isn't it? Yeah, which is just wonderfully put together. Can I say my real favourite? Go on. Suffragettes. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Marching around, getting all the other Because we were like, as we were kind of introduced, like each character was being introduced, I was mm. just for fun being like, I don't like them. I like them. I don't like them. The second she comes in and goes, uh, like, just starts talking. I, I just noticed the sash and I'm like, is he suffragette? And then immediately she's like, one of the women was locked away. And I went, yeah. Yeah. We're going to go um, throw things at the prime minister. <laughs> let's, let's focus on her. Screw every other character. Sorry to sidetrack again. But uh, Dean, I saw your reaction at the end when she pulled out the sash and put it on the kite. I was like, And she no. says, a proper kite needs a proper kite. What, what was your interpretation of that? What did you think of that? Oh, I don't think it, they meant anything by it. I think it was just her kind of imparting part of her characteristic because obviously she'd had it since mm. Stuff, figuratively speaking she's like oh i want to add something to the kite that's fine yeah. um but it was just as she took it off i just had this moment of like oh no please tell me i'm not going to resolve her storyline by saying it's all right i'm going to give up on the cause <laughs> and be a better mother and, well I, well she yeah. didn't take it off she took it out of the, the no. cupboard mm, mm. but pl travis uh, the reason i bring it up is because pl travis apparently was really upset about that because she, she interpreted it, it as mm. being anti-feminist i could see mm. it She's saying, like, she gave up the suffragette cause to de- could, devote yeah. on the family. And I see that. I do see that. Based on the people other than her who made mm. it, uh, the time it was made, mm. you know, like... Yeah. But I'd never interpreted, even as a child, before mm. I found out that P.L. Travers has interpreted that way, I yeah. did not see it that way. I saw it as... I didn't... She, I, puts, she puts the sash away. Sorry, I'm getting very passionate. Mm. She puts the sash away at the start and says, you know how the cause infuriates Mr. Banks. Mm. Yeah, I hated that. And then she immediately brings it I was out. like, right, I don't like Mr. Banks. She mm. brings it out when he changes. Yeah, Is that the way of saying, oh, I know you're going to support me in this cause now. I'm we going to display to this cause on the children's kite yeah. Yeah, I, like, I for all we, to see. If we yeah. go back and look at the scenes where she was with him, is she ever wearing... No, she's not. Okay, so there... Yeah, okay. Mm. I can, Then I would agree with that interpretation. Yes. She's, yeah. Up until that point, she's kind of hidden it, or at least, yeah. you know, uh, uh, out of sight, out of mind type mm. situation. Mm. Until that moment, she's like, no, this is who I am. And yeah. you got to deal with it, you sodge. I've I mean, you can, you can interpret it either way. Sorry, I just I got very passionate. No, I like that. No, that's, yeah. that's, uh, See, I, I view it as the yeah, kite I'm, I'm, is... The kite at the end is the is the metaphor for the family being repaired. Mm. Like it was something that was damaged at the very start of the film. Mm. It gets repaired actively by Mr. Banks becoming involved uh, and like making those repairs himself as best he can with the newspaper. Her adding her suffragette ribbons to it. I, I, I do get the reading where it's the, yeah, she has to give up her stuff. I actually see it as if the kite is representative of the family. She is interweaving her interest her beliefs beliefs into what that family unit is yeah does it mean that she's going to be able to go and chain herself to a million other gates and things like that maybe maybe not it's never actually stated Mm. but maybe if she's not doing that is she then teaching jane yeah teaching jane and michael yeah like hey 
women are people too. (laughs) Maybe even teaching Mr. Banks a bit of that because it's pretty clear he needs that. Can I I also say, this is the first time I remember seeing a film in which a man referred to a woman as a person. So, Mm. again, just I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Dean, what were you saying? What? Uh, 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 Mr. Banks, at the end, he's talking about Mary Poppins and he says, um, you know, my world was... My world was calm, well-ordered, exemplary. Then came this person with chaos in her wake. So oh. he, without using gendered language. He didn't use gendered. And I, as a child, that really stuck with me. I don't ever remember a man mm. See, referring I... to a woman as a person, particularly in the context of being annoyed with them. It was very subtle. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I did not feel like he was redeemed at the end, at least not in my eyes. But then it's, you know, by depending on the standard from which you're working. But I was definitely like, still... You know, I mean, a lot got... of the wrong-minded things he said early yeah. on were still. He didn't, you know, he yeah. didn't turn around and be like, oh, "I support you, honey," or mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think it's interesting that he got his job back. Mm. Um, I, that I, was almost like a backpedal to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like it. That that I was like, ah, I know. Obviously, like there's an Im- impending massive amount of financial insecurity that comes from losing what? your job at the yeah. bank. But I almost feel the story didn't need that. I, I didn't need the the other bankers there all flying their kites, as funny as it was, going, mm. oh, yes, Mr. Dawes no, Senior died it. last night. I did yeah. enjoy he, that news. He died laughing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like, oh, we, we've seen the light now too, and we, we yeah. need to focus yeah, on levity yeah. rather than capitalism. I, yeah. And, mm. I, I, I think know. that was kind of what they were going for. Yeah. It was like that joke, you know, it, it mm. kind of felt like one of those last minute, like, Oh, but don't worry, everyone. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's fine. No, yeah. no, he gets his job back. And, and these guys who were not great before, they're, they're great now. Like, yeah, see, they're yeah. flying their kites too. Yeah. See, it's all fine. It's, it's, it's fine. Thanks for coming. Have a good It is like a children's theatre pantomime where the villain yeah. comes out yeah. at the end. And even if they're there a little begrudgingly, they're like, oh, right. I'm here with all the good characters too because I've learned a lesson. <laughs> oh, we're going to do the final dance number. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it is a really lovely film. And like, it's, it's, it's quite long. It's it's almost it's, two and a half it is hours. Long, yeah. Um and I only really felt like it was I only really felt the time in the mm. last half an hour. Mm. Um I was I was pretty pretty hooked in for most of it. Um and I do have to say, obviously, shout out to Edwin for his wonderful yep. little cameo. Uh, I thought it was perfect as just this laughing, floating Uncle Albert lunatic. Um, <laughs> sh- shout out to the, <laughs> the the guys with the cannon on the roof. Dean's <laughs> favourite characters. I wanted to see them get someone. I you wanted to see them shoot someone with the cannon? Yeah, I, I mean, someone. they shot fireworks at the chimney sweeps. I said this to you guys, but I wanted to see the, the camera pan across the street and show the <laughs> devastation <laughs> that he has wrought by firing that cannon two think, times a day. I think maybe the park is why uh, they have that cannon. The park <laughs> yeah. is across the the road that's why they had to build all the trees by hand yeah apparently. everyone's yeah. like i'm not building a house there <laughs> he keeps firing munitions all right we'll put a park there it's fine um yeah just some wonderful uh, little bits also uh shout out to dick van dyke again playing mr Dawes senior yeah um and just just this awful like i'm gonna take this tuppence from the children <laughs> oh, character. yeah just just him taking the comedic yeah, and he was licking his lips as he's like <laughs> trying to steal this tuppence. Yeah, uh, he was having fun. He was, um, and it was it was good to watch. Sorry, uh, sorry to sidetrack you, Stephen. I think you wanted to talk about Julie Andrews or something. Oh well. yeah, yes. sorry. Yes. yes, yeah. I wanted to say we've we've spent so much of this review just talking about anything but the star of the film, which is Julie Andrews. Like She's this is her from the castle. This is her breakout role. 
Yeah. Breakout role, really? Yeah. Yeah. She'd oh. never Sam- appeared in the film, I think, before yeah. this. Or Sam- TV, TV films or something. Yeah, but. Sound of Music was a year after this. Damn. And because of her performance in this. Mm. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Mm. And she, Yeah, she's pretty good. She's great. I mean, she owns I would even film. say a bit of an icon, maybe. I thought you were going to say I don't, know, I don't know if she's popular in the in the world, but I actually think she 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 could be a real icon if she keeps doing good work like that. <laughs> you reckon? Maybe she'll get into, I don't know, something like the Princess Diaries? Uh, the hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah, and... Um, something maybe where, like... Um, God, something with, like... Um, with like music in it, I think she would be well suited mm. for. Where we hear the sound of what that music might. Yeah, be. Like, yeah, like I'd yeah. love to hear like what that music sounds like. Okay, cool. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll get to that one day. Uh, but she's just incredible. Mm. She in is this. amazing in this. Yeah. Well, like and like, there is a reason why so many people, even today, but going back over the fifty or so years that this film's been out, there's a reason why so many people, particularly in I find like theatre communities a lot of women just want to be Mary Poppins or like, or have like, want, want to do like it as cosplay mm. or play that character. Hello. In the, in yes, hello, <laughs> yes. I am looking at you as yes, I say yes. this. Me um, too. But because but, uh, she yeah. is a, a female superhero. She is almost, un, I, I don't know how intentional this was from people making it at the time, but mm. she is essentially the overpowered um best character in in this film and i think that for the same way where in subsequent years you'd have a bunch of dudes wanting to get roided up to be like arnie when he, in any mm. of his films or being like uh, rambo it does feel as though that mary poppins is sort of one of those few fantastical magical uh, role models for for women in film Maybe it might also be, yeah, like an element of female fantasy. I mean, you've got this this gorgeous, perfect woman who her hair is on point and her makeup is on point mm. and she's in a very uh, traditionally subservient, low-paying job where she's looking after children and she manages to do that but somehow also has magic powers and also manages to subvert all these, as you say, this misogynistic mm. guy who likes capitalism and and work and somehow mm. converts the values into femininity and family and charity. And mm. some, n- that, that's very fulfilling in a way. There is never a point in the film where she is not in charge. Yeah, mm. exactly. There's never a point in the film where she's not the boss. Never exactly. frazzled, never no. even thrown off. The no. closest you get is like, oh, Bert, you're being silly. Yeah. Like this or like a, an eye look. Yeah. And she still, and like she has moments where she enjoys herself. Like she, she dancing with the chimney sweeps. Mm. Like she's foot tapping that whole time. Like, I think they did a really good job of sort of balancing her as this, I have to be prim and proper, and no, we didn't do all of that sort of thing, Michael, stop saying that we did. But then balancing it with a character who wasn't just completely cold and distant, like she Mm. was, say, an interdimensional being from another plane of existence. Like, she did have those very human elements, um, which come through, like in her conversation with her umbrella. Um, yes, at the end, her yeah. looks, her looks at that point, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just the umbrella. Just, you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> I, in that moment, I was like, who's this character? Yeah, like, uh, like obviously, you can see they're just like, oh, we need some. Like, clearly, someone has said we need a scene here where it's like she doesn't just leave. That she's like, oh, I care about them, whatever. But someone's like, what if her umbrella started talking to her? And someone's like, should we probably seed that earlier in the script? Nah. Nah, it's all good. Nah, people understand it's a talking yeah. umbrella. She pulled, she pulled a, a hat stand out of a bag. She can do what she wants. 
She was sitting on a cloud at the start of the film. Like, it's it's all good. Um, would you guys like some trivia about Mary Poppins? No. Oh, well. <laughs> sorry. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Too bad. Uh, because all of this trivia was sourced from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. I believe it's pronounced Imdeba. Imdeba. Sorry. Yes. Uh, well, when founder and now former chief archivist at the Walt Disney Archives, Dave Smith, went on a search for the snow globe in this movie... Uh, the one that features the St. Paul Cathedral, he finally found it on a shelf in a janitor's office. The janitor explained that the snow globe was sitting in a trash can, and he didn't recognise it as the one from the film. He just thought, oh, that's a nice snow globe, and so he kept it. So somebody threw out that snow globe, but a janitor luckily was Did like, they, oh, yeah. oh, it's pretty. It's just incredible to, to me. Like, though? Obviously, like the Disney company didn't know this at the time, but back in the early days of like Disneyland and mm. the Disney films, and they were just like, oh, we'll, we'll just ditch all this stuff. Mm. Oh, this animatronic that wasn't really working in the Haunted Mansion, we'll just throw that out. I mean, it's never going to become like a cult following in 30 years, or, you know, mm. these paintings are never going to sell for $500,000 on eBay, you know. Yeah. Are you sure um, that yeah. janitor just didn't want a snow globe? <laughs> and later it was like, oh, was, uh, uh, I was in the bin. Who's to say? Maybe uh, he wanted a snow globe. Mm. Who's to judge it? As, the, as, the, as his boss left, he just heard Jim Jiminy, Jim Jim. <laughs> he grabbed Jim, his mop Jim, and he Jim. flew away into the sky. Yeah. Did he look anything like Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> or was he in the trash governor? <laughs> oh, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, Walt Disney cast Julie Andrews after seeing her in the Broadway production of Camelot. Uh, when she mentioned uh, at the time of the offer that she was pregnant, he offered to wait until she had had her baby uh, to then start filming. He also offered her then-husband, Tony Walton, the job of designing costumes and some sets for this movie. Uh, Disney also gave the couple a personally escorted tour of Disneyland and the studio to help them make up their minds. I think I think you like that performance in Camelot. Yeah, yeah um, clearly. Interestingly, the uh, choice for, for Mary Poppins... Before Julie Andrews came along, mm. do you know who that was? I don't. It was Angela Lansbury. Oh, old which, uh, Mrs. Potts herself. Yeah, mm. which would have been... Oh, that would have been quite good. Something else. It would have been very I can't different. imagine it at all. It would be very different. I think what about would... Emily Blunt? Oh, mm. she a bit early for yeah. her at that time. <laughs> it's okay. They got her in the end. <laughs> um, well, <yeah>. wait. <laughs> Walt said he'd wait, wait for her to be born. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, but wait till you're born and then we'll get you in this. Um, the scene where Mr. Dawes Sr., played by Dick Van Dyke, has trouble negotiating the step at the bank's meeting room was not originally in the script. Uh, while viewing a makeup test for Van Dyke in the projection room, Walt Disney saw him entertaining crew members on the test film between takes with some comic routines, amongst them the stepping down routine of an old man trying to step off a curb without hurting himself. Uh, the test film not only convinced Disney that uh, Van Dyke should play Mr. Dawes Sr., as well as Dick Van Dyke desperately mm. wanting to play the part, uh, but he specifically requested that crew members build a six-inch riser on the board set room so that the stepping down routine could be done. <laughs> I mean, after after what he did with the Alice in Wonderland uh, film, where he made the sound editors go back and um, mm. edit some of the raw footage from Ed Wynn's performance in that, I mean, it doesn't surprise me no. at this point that, that Disney would do that at all. Mm. Just glad they, you know... It's good. Give him, give him, give the man his due. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of going back, the step in time sequence had to be refilmed uh, because there was a scratch on the film for the oh. first take. Uh, the entire sequence took a week to film. Step in time. I'm surprised it didn't take longer. Which sequence? Uh, the bam bam do it. Step in time. Bam 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 bam. Step in sweeps. time. We're chimney sweeps. We're oh. on the roof. We've got to do all this that. again. Oh wow. <laughs> oh wow. 
Yeah, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is the second time they're doing it. (laughs) Oh, that's poor sauce. At the time, this was the most expensive movie produced by Walt Disney Pictures with an estimated budget of $4,400,000 to $6,000,000. It has since grossed over $102,000,000 and is one of the most profitable films from the 1960s. Makes sense. So that's in 1960s money. Yes. Mm. So adjusted for inflation, that is more... Uh, an absolute, yes. uh, an absolutely massive amount. I think is yeah. how it's officially classified. Uh, the filmmakers didn't inform Karen Dotris, who played Jane, or Matthew Garber, who played Michael, about some of the surprises mm. that were going to show up in the film. Uh, so Karen's dumbfounded look when Mary Poppins takes out um, the massive items from the carpet bag, and her little scream when Mary Poppins gives the medicines of different colours were genuine. Uh, the children also weren't told that Dick Van Dyke was playing Mr. Dawes Sr. and were worried that the horrible old man was going to fall over and die at any moment. <laughs> That's good. So the kids didn't know. They were like, oh, this genuinely lo- old-looking man. Oh, he's oh, this man licking his lips and trying to take my tuppence. He's going to fall over. See, see, we've had various conversations about the ethics of doing that. Mm. What, are, what are your thoughts about it, Dean, when you I'm don't what? tell your actors... No, it's not right. It's not right, is it? It's even if they're kids. It's it's not <coughs> right, especially if they're kids. I, I feel say. look. It's a very broad, like much broader conversation. There's some fun stories out there, like they talk about how in the Aliens, the original chest burster scene. Mm. Apparently, they didn't tell the rest of the crew that there was going to be an alien jumping out of his chest. They all were just told to have like a fun banter dinner scene, uh, and then suddenly one of them obviously knew ahead of time, so and it's you know shot out of his chest. I, you know, there's like those kind of cult stories of like, oh, isn't that so cool? But uh, no, just treat your actors with respect and yeah. I mean, tell them what's up. You know, I would, <laughs> say, I would say for something like the medicine is different colors. Yeah, that's fine. fine. I would say in terms of like. You think it's all going to be green liquid, and then when the second time it comes out, it's I'm orange. Assuming they did that practically. Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, 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 f- you look yeah. at how drugged up those kids were in the first couple of but shots. That's and, true. Yeah. Though, I mean, the kids knew their lines. I don't know. Like yeah. the, when she's pulling stuff out of the bag, there's no way the kids wouldn't have seen that there was someone feeding those things. I suppose. Mm. Yeah. I don't it's, know. It, like yeah. I'm, I'm largely... sometimes I wonder if that stuff is just story yeah i'm largely of the opinion that yes you should tell your actors what you're doing and no it's not terribly fair if you don't do it but i think there are the odd instances where it is where it's acceptable but maybe still not the best thing to do yeah in this case Um, it feels harmless yeah i I, I think maybe not best practice yeah Yeah. maybe not best practice yeah i think there's something like a different color coming out the bottle is fine because there is no real way that that can mm. harm mm. other things yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe tell them the old man's not going to die but yeah. yes yeah uh, mm. uh yeah. although dick van dyke considers this um the best movie in which he's appeared he maintained that he was miscast as bert uh he believed that either jim dale or ron moody would have played the part better which... i don't know who they are jim dale no yeah <laughs> i agree <laughs> completely um <laughs> Ron, Ron Moody, probably uh, not. maybe. I just maybe, don't think. No. Yeah, maybe, I don't think he would no, have. No. no, no, they're not charming enough. No, no. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. We're in a, we're in agreement on these two actors mm. that I know of who they are. That you've absolutely heard of before. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know why we're continuing to talk about. It. Let's All move right. on to the next one. <laughs> we'll move on then. Uh, the final theatrical appearance of Jane Darwell, who played the Saint Paul's Bird Woman. Um, she was living at the motion picture country home in Woodland Hills, California, when she was approached by Walt Disney to play the Bird Woman. At first she refused, but Disney was so set on having her in this movie, 
He personally visited her at her home and eventually persuaded her to take the part. She uh, even had a limo sent to fetch and return her for her one day of shooting. Why? She was a big star back in the golden age of Hollywood. Okay. Um, I think she was one of the... She she won an Oscar or was nominated for an Oscar very, very early on for Grapes of Wrath, I want to say. Nice. She was... was, I'm I'm ashamed to admit I don't think I've ever seen her in anything, but she was a big star back Mm. in the day. Okay. Um, Yeah, she got the Best Supporting Actress for her role in Grapes of Wrath. But yeah, no, she was... uh, Yeah, just... You know, happily retired. Uh, oh, okay. So that's why yeah. Yeah, she had to be convinced. Yeah. Yeah, no. Walt was like, uh, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I want you. And yeah. I get everything I want. Get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on an episode of National Public Radio's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from 2010, Dick Van Dyke was asked by the host, Peter Sagal, about his notorious accent. Van Dyke stated that his vocal coach was the Lancashire-born J. Pat O'Malley, who apparently... Had an even worse Cockney accent. <laughs> so, so there you go. Yeah. I, so I, really, you guys are the racists for thinking it wasn't a great accent. I just love that the accent coach was worse at it. That's... Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I bet the accent coach has probably passed away by now, so it's very easy to blame him. Yeah. 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 Um, but his accent coach had an even <laughs> thicker accent. Yeah. P.L. Travers uh, may have had some disagreements about uh, how this film was made, but was uh, purportedly very, very supportive of Julie Andrews getting the part. Um, Reportedly, she was totally on board after just hearing her voice over the telephone because they had a telephone interview. I was uh, really disappointed that that wasn't in the Saving Mr. Banks movie. Mm. I just wanted this scene of like... Emma Thompson just talking on a phone to like an invisible Julie Andrews on the other end going, mm. yes, yes, I understand you're to play my nanny and then just putting down the phone. Yeah, she'll do. Yeah. They um, could have just got Julie Andrews. They could have had Julie Andrews doing a little voice. Literally just no, just, just don't even, don't no, even just do it. Like coming through the air <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> yes, good. Mm. Yes, I think you should be Mary Poppins. <laughs> mm. Beautiful voice. So P.L. Travers, uh, ultimately not, not a massive fan of the film. Like she thought it was fine, but there were lots of elements that she didn't what particularly What does she like. know? Well, she wrote the book. Oh, sh- oh okay. shit, sorry. Um, in 1993, 29 years after the release of the film, the stage producer Cameron McIntosh approached Travers about a musical theatre version of Mary Poppins. Travers initially refused, citing the movie as a reason why she would never allow an adaptation of Mary Poppins again. After several meetings, she relented, though when McIntosh suggested they use songs from the Disney movie, Travers balked and said, no, no, no. Uh, after much more pleading, Macintosh convinced her to allow a stage production with the songs from the movie on the strict proviso that no Americans participate in the development. <laughs> and further, that no one involved in the original movie version, including the Shermans, both of whom were still alive and working, could participate in the musical. Macintosh proceeded with development of the stage so adaptation for several years. And them. then the final proviso was that they get notified that yeah. they're doing it and that they can't be a part she of it. She hated the Sherman Brothers. Mm. But I don't know. Did you have more on that point? Just a little bit more. Uh, Macintosh developed the show for several years without any involvement from Disney as per Travers' wishes. Uh, although after Travers died in 1996, the Walt Disney Company was allowed some degree of creative involvement and went on to co-produce the musical, which debuted in the West End in 2004. Okay. Musical. Can I can I share some thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, go okay. for it. All right. I have seen it twice. I saw it on Broadway with um, Laura Michelle Kelly, who was the original Mary Poppins. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. One Wonderful performance. Seen it here, not so great when it was on the touring production a couple of years ago. Mm. Um 
the musical is more misogynistic than this movie. Right. I'm going to go out there and say it. Okay. Um, well, so Mrs. Banks is not a suffragette. Aww. And so but she's, she's just a suffragette in no. the book, as I understand it. I think the suffragette was a movie No, that, that was a movie invention. Yeah. And look, that's fine. Yeah. You know, I'll allow it. But mm. the thing is, I don't know. Have you seen the musical? I haven't seen no, the musical, okay. but go for it. So the, the, the kids don't go to the bank. The, the big issue that gets Mr. Banks nearly fired is that he... Um, he, he doesn't invest in this guy, this Mr. Deus Ex Machina guy. Um, and uh, they're like, oh, no, Mr. Deus Ex Machina's business was really, really successful and I didn't invest in it. Now I'm going to lose my job. And he goes to the bank and Mrs. Banks is like, no, 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 you're my husband and you're distant, but I'm going to support you and, and, and pull you through this and we'll get through this together. So Mr. Banks goes to the bank and they're like, no, 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 Mr. Deus Ex Machina's uh, business venture failed. You saved this company and congratulations, you're getting promoted. And then she comes in and is like, no, 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 I'm going to help my husband and you're all idiots and how dare you fire him. And they're all like, shut up, woman. Mm. You know, oh. you're not, you're, you're making things worse and you're not helping. And mm. it's just, it's, it's really lackluster and I hate mm. it. And ugh, just, mm. it makes me angry. Okay. Anyway. No, that's over. fair. Um, Julie Andrews became available for this movie partly as a result of not being cast in My Fair Lady. Uh, they opted for Audrey Hepburn instead. Um, Julie Andrews really wanted to do it, but didn't. When Andrews won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Leading Role, beating Hepburn uh, for her work in Mary Poppins, she thanked Warner, uh, quote, <laughs> saying, quote, he was the only man who made it all possible. <laughs> but not Sass. Okay. Sass queen. Yeah. I and mean, she also won. And was then seen to flip them off and walk out the room backwards. Yeah. yeah. She also won an Oscar for this role. She like, did, yes. Yeah, which is just sensational. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so good, good work there. It's definitely a film that holds up better than My Fair Lady as well. Yeah. We so say that. well done. I mean. Julie Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> uh, originally a stickler for keeping to the script, the director, Robert Stevenson, allowed Edwin free reign to improvise. Carmen, what do you think of directors <laughs> who allow their actors free reign to improvise? Are you a We were fan? literally having this conversation last night. Thank you for bringing it up. Yes. Um, okay, so, so for those of you who don't know, I um, uh, have directed the production of Clue, starring Stephen as Wadsworth. On right now, if you have On right now, tickets, buy you your tickets, because they are selling super fast. Yeah. Um, now, it depends on the script. Now, mm. Clue literally says in there, I think it says freeform improvisational style yes. at some points in the script. So Stephen is allowed two lines of improvisation. Two, two areas. Two yes. areas, yes. And, <laughs> and everything else on script. Um, I think it depends. I, I, um, Robert Stevenson was a, apparently a bit of a nightmare for that, though. Like, mm. he normally was not just a stickler for the script, but to the point where actors like Angela Lansbury couldn't get a lot of creative expression of their characters in other movies because mm. he wouldn't allow it. Um, so I, I think there needs to be that balance um, mm. because, you know, you may, as a director, you may have your own creative vision and what you want to see, but then, you know, actors can also bring extremely valuable things that you may not have thought of to the table. So mm. there needs to be a balance. Indeed. Yeah. The word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious predates this movie but lang language experts have yet to pin down exactly by how much time huh. um, or indeed what it meant <laughs> an urban myth um, is that it had something to do with Irish or Scottish prostitutes uh, it's yeah I know and there's no further context <laughs> in this bit of trivia so whoever wrote this please provide a bit more context um, 
Its use in this movie may have been inspired by a nonsense word the Sherman brothers learnt as youngsters on a summer camp. They remembered having a word that adults didn't know and thought the bank's children should have one too. So that was the inspiration for using supercalifragilisticexpedalidocious. And uh, there is further writing on where that word exists. You can look it up, various other spellings of this word, even the odd legal case against the film for using it from other works that predate it. Uh, But yeah, uh, sort of... Fascinating bit of etymology there. <laughs> uh, and finally, Feed the Birds from this movie was Walt Disney's all-time favourite song, as you mentioned, Yay! Carmen. Uh, numerous times at the end of a workday on a Friday, uh, Disney would pick up the phone and call composer Robert B. Sherman and ask him to drop by his office. When he would arrive, Disney would gesture to the piano, which would slide in and at him at an angle <laughs> like the piano in this film, uh, and just say, play it. Sherman understood and would play the song Feed the Birds, after which Disney would express his love for the song and wish Sherman a nice weekend. Many years later, in 2001, there was a celebration on what would have been Walt's 100th birthday, including the dedication of the famous statue of Disney holding hands with Mickey Mouse. With his piano placed in front of the statue, Sherman played several songs, concluding with what he told the crowd was Disney's favourite, Feed the Birds, and he said he was playing it just for Walt on that occasion. I mean, in fairness, if I had the Sherman brothers at the end of a phone, I would be doing that on a Friday afternoon as well. Yeah. Good taste, Walt Disney. Good taste. Yeah. So. One day. That brings us to the the end of our review. And all that remains is for us to score the film. Dean, it was your first time watching Mary Poppins. (laughs) Uh, It was. What would you give this film out of 10? It would. Out of 10? 10. Uh, I would give it... uh, uh, a blevin. A blevin? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Come back to me, please. I actually need to think about this. You need to ruminate. Okay. I need to... I need to be... I'm trying to be equal parts subjective and objective. <laughs> uh, yeah, please come back to me. Okay, yeah. okay. We'll come back. Uh, we'll go to Carmen then. Uh, what, what would you give this film out of 10? I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect film. Say it. But this is as close to a perfect film as I am going to get. You know, mm-hmm. people's tastes vary. Yep. But I love this film and I, I love the I love the subtext and I love the art and I love the performances and it's a 10 wooden legs mm. named Smith out of 10 for me. Excellent. What was the name of his other leg? Aha, uh-huh, very good. <laughs> See, it is a good joke. <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> now, look, I, I love the jokes in this film. They were, they were so wonderfully a bit crap but yeah, <laughs> but fun at the same time I think that's time. kind of yeah I think that yeah, was deliberate that's, that's, like, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. let's tell a silly joke kind yeah. of yeah alright have you got a, got a number there Dino yeah I'm gonna can I give two answers yeah go yeah, for it go for it I'm gonna say I thought from a lot of different um, objective angles I'm gonna say an eight mm-hmm. I think there were so many things going for it I think for its time incredible I think, you know, even just from a filmmaking perspective, you can really, um, some great stuff. I think from a subjective point of view, i.e., you know, Dean just sitting down. Um, I mean, we talk about this a lot. I, I, when, when I'm on this podcast, I always say, I'm so long-winded with my answer. Uh, I'm going to say seven. <laughs> seven. seven. Um, I, like, I, I think I enjoyed, you know, being here and watching it with you guys and learning a lot about it um, has definitely given me a, a greater appreciation. Hmm. Um it's just not maybe necessarily something you would go, yeah, I'm going to watch. Yeah, I don't now. know if I'd, I'd re-watch. I'm glad yeah. I did watch. Yeah. But I, I really appreciate it. Just, I think visually I thought it was, which is weird because it was a musical, but <laughs> I think I appreciate the visuals more than anything else. 
Yeah, I. So my answer is seven point five. Okay, yeah, you I, can just cut to that in the edit <laughs> if you want. Well, I'm I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it seven and a half roof cannons out of ten because <laughs> it, it if is... they had a, if they had showed me the destruction that, that cannon caused, it <laughs> would be, be a, a ten. ten yeah, me. It just was, some guy just sitting to in rubble with pianos going some, back Some and forth. family yeah. sitting in rubble being like, "Please stop!" Every day. <laughs> at the right time, though. They're very punctual. Um, yeah, it's, it is it is a really wonderful film. And it has a lot still going for it. Even, you know, we're, we're getting close to it being 60 years old. Um, and it it holds up very well. Um, the, 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 the songs are, are just really lovely. Um, the, the acting is good. The, the, the crossover of like live action with animation is incredibly well done and the technology that was used to help create that obviously then went on influenced uh further live action animation crossovers like who framed roger rabbit and things like that and there's a lot going for it It, it's still not probably in my top 10 disney films for, Mm. for my own personal taste but it's far from a bad film it is a very good film it's again though I'm, I'm probably the same as you dean it's probably not something that when it pops up on a like a disney plus streaming service but it's are you gonna be like oh let's watch yeah. that no but no. here's what i will say i think Cameron, i think your enthusiasm has rubbed off on me like i now want to see the remake and okay. i now and I, I'm, I'm gonna ask this now because i don't know if we're serious about our plans to watch saving mrs banks yeah, let's, is that let's what, do it. That's what it's called? Yeah. Because I really yeah. want to watch that now. I'll tell you what. And, I mean, I've not I'm seen like, the remake, so... I not watch it and wait? <laughs> I'm going to... I'm writing it down in my notebook now. So, uh, like, I'm... I'm. I think I'm just... I don't know if I'd rewatch the movie, but I, I want to know more about the history and... It what, is a really interesting yeah. um, What we'll do backstory. then... I've, I've penned it in uh, that we are going to watch this sometime this year. We need 10,000 awesome. likes. Uh, we, we won't be watching it this year if we that's need the case. Fifty million likes. Uh, I love the ambition, but we're never we going to get a there. bazillion kajillion likes. Oh, we might, we could do that, um, but yeah, so we we will look at doing Saving Mr. Banks some point towards the end of the year. Because Hashtag cynical bastards. Because <laughs> yeah, I am curious to see it now as well, and to to sort of have a further reflection on on this film. So. Uh, Keep an ear out for that later in the year. But for now, um, Dean and Dr. Garman, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank, thank you, you Dr. Us. Stephen. No, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, at- Dr. Stephen. I know. Platt. Is yeah. this the first podcast since you? No, we've had a couple. Uh, yeah. Okay. Then the yeah. audience is, no, it's not. No, we, we had a whole bit in the contact okay. episode. Yeah, I, there, was, there was an editor handing me a note. There was applause. It was, it was great. Uh, and it's still great. Uh, but yes, um, for those of you listening at home, hey, you you might be sitting here going, oh, gee, I can't wait till they do the Saving Mr. Banks episode. Ah, oh, but what if I forget to look for it? Well, allow us to help. You can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, search for us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and uh, you'll get a new episode each and every week, including, probably in November, December time, the episode that looks at Saving Mr. Banks. We are also available to be found on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. You can get news and updates. And there is our Patreon for just a dollar a month. Uh, just for tuppence, you can have uh, extra bonus goodies and features sent your way. Um, including uh, the the cutting room floor, the program where we cut things off from episodes that run a bit too long and uh, we stick them in there and see what you think. Uh, so that is available exclusively to our patrons. So just go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and get bonus goodies there. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Farewell. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.
Oh, it's such a nice word. Wait, I'm floating away. Hold on. Oh, God. Guys, Steven, guys, Steven. guys, I don't like being up on the ceiling. I'm afraid of heights. You just have to burp. Don't open down. the window. No. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.